Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Zohar on 15. This is David Fournier, your instructor here on our show. Thank you so much, whether you're joining me live or archive. And today we'll be talking about striving to know the master of the universe or striving to know God. Um, I did receive an email I wanted to address real quick. It was from a person who, by the way, had really done their homework and was asking the right kinds of questions. So please take this in the best possible light. But they were talking about how that, you know, you need to make sure that when you're teaching Kabbalah or Kabbalistic principles to Christians that there's some things they need to understand that it came from a cult background and some of the stuff they said was like okay and other parts of it had valid points it is correct that in esoteric Kabbalah the Ian Siof, the God that's referred to is not uh, the same kind of God or enlightened being that the scriptures talk about my goal with the Zohar and 15 show is not to convert Christians which seems to be everybody's big fear they're going to get converted to something it's not to convert Christians to Kabbalah, but to realize that there are some spiritual tools and some understanding that is very beneficial for us. And today's class is definitely one of them, striving to know the, the, know the master. When you think of your church, you think about your spiritual walk, there are five questions or five differences I want to point out in the very beginning. There's a major difference between striving to know someone, striving to be known, striving to be right, striving to ensure your own personal chaos and undisciplined striving. There's a lot of striving going on because when you say, well, what do you mean striving to know the master? Of course we're striving to know the master. Well, not always. Sometimes not. Sometimes we're striving to know someone. Maybe you want to get to know the choir director because you want to sing or the worship leader because you want to do that or the pastor to have their attention, whatever it may be. Sometimes we're working on striving to know a person. And by the way, that's not always bad. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes we're striving to be known. Hey, I've got a lot to offer. Hey, look at me. Sometimes we're striving to be right. And I think this is probably one of the biggest battles that we have in our spiritual communities is everybody's fighting the fight to say, well, this is the right way to believe. Sometimes we're striving to ensure our own personal chaos. You know, I notice in some people's lives and some of our spiritual communities that a lot of the chaos that goes on isn't really needed. It's not necessary. And I try to figure out, well, why do we have it then? I think we have it because we enjoy it. And number five is undisciplined striving. I want you to really think about this question very hard. Very hard. I want you to think about this question. When you go to church on Sunday morning, what do you do at church that you couldn't pay somebody to do for you? Let me see that again. When you go to church on Sunday morning, what is it that you do there in your spiritual community that you can you could not pay someone to do for you? Like, for example, you say, well, I go there to sing songs to worship God. Well, you could pay somebody to go do that. We should be striving to know the master. We should be striving to know God. And the shadows, the kind of things that you see in the backdrops of the scriptures or in God's own words is the way that he is showing us how we can know him. I want to use a great example for you out of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9. We'll start in verse number 23, and I'm going to read 23 through 25. Thus saith the Lord... Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not a rich man boast in his riches. 
Well, let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things. But behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish those who are circumcised and yet uncircumcised. Hey, that's a fairly heavy verse. We're going to take a couple minutes to kind of break into that. In verse number 24, he says that knowing the Master and understanding the Master is something to boast about. You do not read a lot of verses in the Bible. You don't read a lot of verses in Scripture that talk about when it's okay to boast. But here's one. Here's definitely one where it says, if you're going to boast, boast that you know and understand me. Now, part of knowing, part of knowing the Master is knowing what he likes and what he delights in. I have a friend named Jerry Gauthier. He runs a counseling center out in, uh, in uh, Southern California, and Jerry's a really good counselor. And one time he told me we were talking about marriages and how to make marriages work. And I asked him, I said, so what do you tell you know, husbands, what do you tell wives in, in the counseling session to really help them out? And he said, well, you know, Dave, one thing for sure is to really make a marriage work, you've got to become a good student of your wife. I'd never heard that phrase before. So I said, well, expand on that. What are you talking about? He says, well, you need to know what she likes. You know what uh, what she enjoys doing. You need to be able to see what she needs because not always will she vocalize it to you. Sometimes you've got to figure it out for yourself. You need to know what she doesn't like, what she doesn't think is funny. And I really started thinking about that. And it just made a lot of sense. You become a student of somebody you want to please, of somebody you want to get to know, of somebody that you want to to be able to say, that you have got a substantial investment in the relationship. We should be that way towards the master of the universe. We need to know what he likes and what he dislikes. Now, here in our portion that we read in Jeremiah, oh, by the way, we're in Zohar, volume 13, portion PDQI, chapter 52, or we're reading verses 8, 11, and 8, 12, for those of you following along. Here are two huge uh, clues as to what the master of the universe, what God, the God of the Bible, what he likes. Number one is in our verse, he says he, lo- he, like, he delights in loving kindness. Now, loving kindness is interesting because it's the ability of, uh, to do acts of love for the benefit of others. Now, this requires seeing needs, and it requires seeing ugly. You know, yesterday I was driving through the downtown area here in Colorado Springs, and we've got a small downtown area. It's very quaint. It's very neat. Um, a lot of pretty individual shops and restaurants and bars and all kinds of stuff. And there's a park down there. I can't ever pronounce the word correctly, but there's a park right in the middle of it. And there's lots of community activities. And they were having some kind of event there. There were bands playing and different things happening and people gathering around. And there was a guy with a big giant banner that says, Jesus saves from hell. And he had on like an orange T-shirt. And I don't know where he got this thing from, but he had like this this mobile speakerphone with a microphone, like an old-fashioned thing with a cable. And he was calling out about, Jesus is the way, and you're going to go to hell And if you accept Jesus. And by the way, I'm not mocking what he's doing, but if you've ever been in this downtown area before, a lot of folks that are homeless, um, a lot of people who need money, a lot of people who need a break, they go down to this area, even though it's against the law for them to do it now. And you're trying to raise some money, get, you know, get a couple bucks, get something to eat, and that's a whole other story. So on one side of the park, I got you know these people that are standing around trying to find a way to, to take care of some things. And some of them, by the way, you say, oh, those are drunks. Those are hubbos. Those are drug addicts. They deserve to be there. All right. One particular one that caught my attention was a young lady with two small children who 
but we'll get into some other time. But anyway, so while this one guy is over there saying Jesus will save you from hell, Jesus from save you from hell, and by the way, according to the scriptures, Jesus will save you from, from hell. But for a person with two small children who sleep in a park at night, they're already in hell. And when God says he delights in acts of loving kindness, he's talking about us doing something for the poor. Did you know that the rabbis and sages say that the first temple was destroyed because of Israel's lack of concern for the poor? How many of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, addressed this issue? Again, we're getting way off task. But loving kindness is doing acts that people need. I love that one song. I think it's a, uh, I think it's an Alanis Morissette song where she says that the uh, that she asked somebody for help and they gave her ten thousand spoons when all she needed was a knife. It's like we've got to look and see the needs that people have and and act in loving kindness. And it also means being loving kind, uh, being having loving kindness in those acts towards people that aren't loving towards us. So yeah, it's okay to stand on a street corner and yell out, "Jesus saves from hell," and he does. But it's a whole different thing altogether to say, hey, listen, let me take you in over here to Subway. Let me get you a couple sandwiches. Let me get some water for your children. Let me do something to show you that God's made such a difference in my life. I'm compelled to make a difference in the lives of others. We'll be right back after this brief commercial. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support, encourage, and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Or you can call 719-233-6265. 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. And we're back. So acts of loving kindness is one way that we can know and we can please the master. Number two, the scripture told us that acts of justice. This is ensuring and enforcing the standards for right living for the household of the faith. People flourish when they understand boundaries and directions, when they understand what's being asked about them. And when they're asked to what they're due is not just told to them, but modeled. People would rather see a sermon than hear one. And if you're going to show somebody how to get something done, don't tell them about it. You need to be able to show it to them. And justice, by the way, I want to really listen to this. Justice, by the way, in the scriptures is not enforcing our spiritual community practices on people outside of the spiritual communities. It's not about telling them how they should live their lives. It's about making sure that we're living our lives in accordance with the laws of our spiritual community. And by the way, it applies to everyone inside that community. And number three is righteousness. He said or right living. Right living, by the way, is the result of right choices. And knowing the master includes what his paths or chosen or his choices would be for us. We talk big on faith. Oh, we got to have faith. You got to have faith. What we believe. And we've got the orthodoxy down to a science. But certainty or faith is walking out those actions that match what you say you believe. Verse 25, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will punish all those who are circumcised and yet uncircumcised. Now, that's an interesting verse. Circumcised is those that have the mark of the Holy Covenant in the Old Testament Scriptures. And that's exactly what it sounds like, the physical act of circumcision. But carrying the mark of a covenant is different than being obedient to that covenant. Punishment comes upon those of false faith. And we say, oh, well, Jesus saves people from hell. Got it. But I got news for you. 
people going to hell are not the only people that really need to be saved because here in this verse it says that God will treat the circumcised, those that think they got it, like the ones that don't have it because their acts are not ones that show faith in God. I want to read to you from the Zohar, verse number 811. First, it behooves a man to ask to know the words of his master, to show his passion for him and not to be separated from him. This is the secret of the prayer. This is, by the way, this is out of the Amidah. Do, do you graciously bestow upon us your knowledge, your understanding, and discernment? For a man should take part in the sanctification of the high and holy name to be adorned by it. It is the nature of God to share, to be known. That's the whole idea of creation. But we need to learn to ask for the words. We must desire to learn what we need to know. So many people are learning so many things about God, so many things about Jesus, so many things about spirituality, but they're not things that they really need to know. They're just things they're being told, things they're being taught. Now, some learning, by the way, is course of self-discovery. You've got to be reading your scriptures. You've got to be praying. Because you know what? I, I love that. I saw a, a thing on Facebook where it showed the Nike symbol, and it said, just do it. And then in parentheses underneath it, it said, even if you suck at it. <laughs> and I thought, that's kind of like spiritual journey. Sometimes when we're on our spiritual journey, we're not always getting it right. Don't worry about that. God gets it. But some learning is a course of discovery. Some learning is about asking questions. And that's what he says. It behooves a man to ask to know the words. So basically go to God and say, God, what are the words I want to praise you, when I want to get to know you? What are those words? You have understanding. You have knowledge. You have discernment. You tell me. Verse number 812, quickly. For that reason, one needs to be connected with the sanctification of his master and not to be separated from him. When one asks, one should first ask to know the master, know one's master, we got that, to show his passion turned towards him. This is the secret from the first petition, again from the Amidad, do graciously understanding and discernment. From now on, one may be separated little by little, whatever request needs to be made. I got five quick questions in the last 60 seconds. Here we go. Number one is, what do you know about God? Number two is, how did you learn it? And here you go. Number three, what percent of your learning was sitting and listening or hearing somebody talk? Number four is what percent was active participation? You actually going out and instead of shouting through a microphone, actually taking care of the needs of another person. And number five is what percent were you asking him? My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you so much for joining me here live on the Zohar in 15.